Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Norman, doesn't your wife ever complain that you never spend any time with her? Would you? <laughs> well, what I can't fathom is how one can drink ice cold beer in freezing weather. Cliff, explanation, please. Now, how do you know he has one? Five bucks says he does, ten says it's a doozy. <laughs> When the uh, British rule the punch, you have 10 bucks all the way. <laughs> so they drink uh, steaming hot pots of tea on the hottest days of the year to uh, balance out their inside and outside temperatures. See, conversely, uh, drinking an ice cold drink on a cold day uh, actually results in a more uh, comfortable body temperature. All right. Why do you drink ice cold beer on a hot day? Mr. Clavin. <laughs> what else are you going to do with it? <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Everybody knows your name You wanna go where people know People are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name And welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me this time to cover the ninth episode of season one, I can't believe it's taken me nine episodes to get to you, it's my buddy, the veteran podcaster, J. David Weeder. How's it going, Dave? Great. And don't remember, never forget, you can call me Dave. <laughs> Absolutely, Dave. Or, or Conway Twitty? The Conway Twitty of podcasting, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, what was the line? Hello, darling. Yeah. Hello, darling. Yep. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining the show. Um, with every first time guest, I have to ask the same question. Tell us what is your cheer story? How slash when did you discover it? Uh, were you a fan? I was there at the beginning. I mean, I was in kindergarten, but typically <laughs> when you're that age, you're watching what your parents watch. So I glommed on the cheers early on and it didn't hurt that this is a little embarrassing, but I had a lot of bar experience at that age. <laughs> okay. My grandma had owned a bar. And we hung out – they hung out at a bar called Barbara's Beer Garden. Not the German word. First word beer, second word garden. <laughs> okay. like So I had, unfortunately, some knowledge about bars. And so it synced with me. And we were one of the few people watching the show before it became a big hit. Mm-hmm. And I was there at the end. I was my freshman year when it ended. Wow. And I didn't watch every episode. But, I mean, if, if I was home – because I mean, when you're in a teenager, you want to get out of the house. You want to chase girls if you want to be honest about it. But I saw – I've seen the majority of the series, so it's it's cool to revisit it with this show. Yeah, very, very cool. That's all. <laughs> a very interesting take to have somebody from that early on, but sort of coming from a world of uh, having the, the sort of the setting of a bar be kind of a regular fixture of your life and then having the show to compare it to. Well, they, they weren't – the bars weren't as nice as Cheers. I'll say that. <laughs> really? The Beer Garden? <laughs> the beer garden, yeah. I just remember the large fish named Sarge. 
<laughs> oh, there's a TV show in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've been talking about a Frasier reboot. I think if we do a Cheers reboot, there's got a factor in a, a large <laughs> mouth bass named Sarge on the wall, or assuming that's what it was, if not something crazier. I don't know what it was. It was huge. Yeah. It would be the it would be like the the dinosaur Indian oh, of yeah. the show. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back, back to Cheers. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, we were talking about season one, episode nine, which is called "Coach Returns to Action." Uh, this episode was written by Earl Pomerantz, who, if you remember, previously wrote episode two, "Sam's Women." It was directed by James Burroughs, who previously directed all eight episodes before this one. Uh, the original air date was Thursday, November 25th, 1982. i got to imagine that might have been Thanksgiving of that year. Pretty close, yeah, yeah, if not. Okay, it's freezing cold in Boston, but Coach's heart is ablaze for a young woman named Nina who just moved into his apartment building. Diane is the only one who knows Coach is smitten, and she's sworn to secrecy. So when Nina stops by the bar, Sam tries to hit on her, repeatedly, meeting with failure again and again, much to the dismay of Norm and Cliff. Meanwhile, the pipes in the men's room are frozen, and Carla is tasked with fixing the plumbing. Also, the cold weather sends Boston's worst tour guide to cheers over and over as he tries, between shots, to convince tourists that the bar is also Paul Revere's house, the Old North Church, and Harvard Yard. Eventually, Coach mounts enough courage to ask Nina on a date. When she shuts him down, he falls back on an old trick from his baseball days, faking an injury so Nina pities him enough to go home with him. And that basically is episode nine, Coach Returns to Action. Dave, what did you think of this one? As soon as I started watching it, I remembered seeing this live. <laughs> so, I mean, it's another point where I can tell you where I was at a certain time in the 80s before you were born, Ryan. Uh, I was one-ish when this one came out. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this episode is great. I loved, I loved Coach. Yeah. I, and as much as I like Woody, he never brought the same sincerity that Coach did. And this this episode is a perfect example of it. Mm-hmm. Just him getting nervous trying to ask her out is that it's us. It's us as, as real people. Yeah, I, I mean, does the did the age difference between Coach and Nina the obvious age difference? Do you remember? Like, I, I guess I mean I can ask you as 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 much as you remember of viewing it when you were a kid versus viewing it now. Did that have any different factor or like play into how you interpreted the episode then versus now? No, because I mean, at four or five years old, I, I was looking at Melody Anderson on Manimal. So <laughs> age, age was, as Aaliyah once said, age ain't nothing but a number. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> that's that's true. Certainly, uh, yeah. And and when I was around the same age, I was probably having similar thoughts about uh, Kirstie Alley later on in the series. Um, but yeah, but I, I couldn't help think about it this time because Coach makes a reference when he's he's talking to Diane. He says, you know, uh, you know, none of my I don't even know if any of my old pickup lines would work on her. And Diane is like, well, what what did you used to say to women? And he's like, can I buy you some nylons, Fräulein? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was like, first of all, that's great. But I was like, okay, so Coach was probably a veteran of World War II, or at least served like uh, was overseas in Germany at some point around then. So I was like, okay, so picture he's got to be 60-ish, like, at this time. And and Nina looks like she's 25, 30 at the most. Uh, so I was like, okay, that's... I, I don't know. I, I I applaud his effort in going after her, but I, I was kind of, like, 
would she be interested? Would she have that interest in him? I guess, I guess he's he, there is something adorable about Coach, so maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just he's there's an earnestness to him that I can see being attractive. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really really liked about this episode was even though we never leave the bar, the weather outside is a huge factor of this episode. Like it affects all of the different plot lines of this thing. And we get multiple sort of plot lines, like um, from the fact that coach is shivering when he comes in the bar, which is, there's great. There's a great thing. He's like, he's like, I've been freezing all the, my whole way over there. And Diane's like, Hey, you're not wearing a jacket. It's 30 degrees. He's like, Oh, thank God. I thought I had malaria. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The fact that coach is cold. Nina comes to the bar. Her whole reason for being there is because she's waiting. She just moved into this apartment. She's waiting for the super to turn the heat on. The pipes are frozen, so that gives Carla something to do for the episode because she's in the men's room working on the pipes, which (laughs) plays into a lot of comedy that I'll talk about later. Um, It gives Norm something to do because he can't just sit at the end of the bar. He's got to use the men's room upstairs, which means he has to get (laughs) dressed up for it. He has to borrow like a tuxedo jacket and tie. Um, And then you also have – it starts off in a teaser and it comes back later, this walking tour of Boston (laughs) with this guy um, who I I looked up. The the tour guide is played by Bill Wiley, um, who looks like he's been in everything, like never like a big name, but uh, just a few of his IMDb credits. He appeared in the movie Porky's 2 and then episodes of Taxi, Knight Rider, L.A. Law, Full House, Alf, Wings, Melrose Place. So just a bunch of stuff around this time. He's a uh, that guy. Yeah, he's that guy. But I just love the fact that he comes back a second time after the teaser, and he's just like, now Harvard Yard, and just trying to sell all of these tourists on the fact that because it's so cold, he just wants to go from bar to bar to keep himself warm. So, <laughs> and yeah. you get a great punchline from Sam on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought Boston would be bigger. It is in the summer. <laughs> it is in the summertime. It's just a great way to end that first, uh, that first little teaser spot. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, and one of the tourists in the teaser, the first tourist to speak, he's, he's credited as just tourist one, and he's like, the, he's the one who says, this looks like a bar me. Uh, that actor is Keone Young, who I remember most fondly as Mr. Wu from the show Deadwood. But he's been in a bunch of stuff, but he was also, he was a voice actor on Star Wars Rebels, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe Renegades, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and Batman Beyond, just to Ooh. name some of his more geek culture credits. Um, the, the second tourist, that guy that you mentioned who said, I thought Boston was bigger. Um, that guy, his name is Barry Cutler. He appeared in episodes of Superboy and one episode of Lois and Clark. Um, so yeah, but, uh, I love the, how we never go outside. We never feel, but the weather is a factor of the episode, the, the climate in it, even in the fact of something else that we hardly ever see. Norm and Cliff are dressed down in this episode. Yes. <laughs> like, was that jarring to you? Like, seeing Cliff... Cliff isn't wearing his mail carrier uniform in this. Like, yeah, how often does that like, happen? Yeah. Not very. He's dressed like Marty McFly with a big, <laughs> puffy vest. Yes, yeah, exactly. And Norm isn't wearing a suit. Of course, Norm got fired from his job a few episodes ago, but he's just wearing a sweatshirt. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like there's a, a sense of seasonality, which I don't think is a word, but I'm just kind of like making up that, yeah, it feels like it's winter and it's really cold in the Northeast. So I, I like that that presence, that atmosphere of what it adds to this episode. Well, it does make it feel like Cheers is part of the real world, a real world location. Mm-hmm. And that, that, I mean, if you ever went to the real, I can't remember the name of the bar, but the Cheers bar, the real location, it's mm-hmm. tiny. Yeah, yeah. So that is that studio is a studio set is completely different from what you would find. Right. But this this place is it there. 
Yeah, the bar has actually been renamed to Cheers now. They they mm-hmm. they just <laughs> said, you know, this is what people are coming to see, so they renamed it. Um, I've been by it. I have not been inside. I am hoping to remedy that during the length of during the life of this podcast um, because I I live a couple hours from Boston. I want to go there and maybe record an episode from inside there if I can. That'll be yep. some project for down the line. The only time I ever saw the, the interior of the bar was after the finale. They, the cast was on The Tonight Show, mm-hmm. which yeah. apparently was a disaster from what I saw. I, yeah, I, I think <laughs> they were drunk. <laughs> yeah, they were, they'd been drinking all day. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so. it, is, it is tiny, it is dark, and here's this well-lit place that it doesn't look like any bar you would normally walk into. Right. Speaking uh, of, I don't know if, if, if this was the direction, but this is the first time I ever noticed that you can see studio lights on the set above the bar. Like they stood out yeah. glaringly, pun intended. <laughs> every now and then, like I didn't notice it in this episode, but every now and then it seems like there's a wide enough shot where you can kind of see the edges of that. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps just reminding me, oh, this isn't a real place. Okay. But right. it's nice to have that reminder because it's such a contiguous set mm-hmm. and everything makes sense and fits together. I mean, Sam's office alone looks like a real bar office. Yeah. Yeah. The set is too big to be <laughs> like a working yeah. bar, like in Boston on Beacon Street, whatever, like the location, especially being an underground. It's just too big for, for what it would really be. But it has that kind of life. And also uh, looking at the, the settings, we get our fourth set in the show. Um, previously, we've seen the main bar set. We've seen Sam's office. We've seen the pool room. We get our fourth location and it's the men's room. Carla is in there working. Coach goes in there because he's he's worried. He thinks Sam is hitting on Nina and Sam is going to go home with her. And Diane chases him in there. And Coach is like, Diane, you can't be in here. It's the men's room. She's like, well, Carla's in here. And he's like, Carla doesn't count. <laughs> and you just see Carla's feet under the stall and hear her clanging around with pipes. And she's like, hey, watch it. <laughs> But that is, I mean, Carla is kind of one of the guys. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. And, and it play, plays out later because there's this wonderful moment when she comes out and she's just covered in grease. She took her sweater <laughs> off. Like her shirt is covered. Her, her hair is like mad and everything. She's covered in grease. And Diane is trying to, you know, pep coach up and talk about how desirable he is and how cute and how any woman would want it. And she's like, look, Carla would go out with you and we all know how picky Carla is. <laughs> and you see Carla, like the iron, the visual irony of that, the contrast with how like disheveled and greasy Carla looks at that moment and she's just nodding along like yeah obviously plus wait till you see her ex-husband oh yes oh I can't wait till we see Nick in the next season which actually got a spinoff for the love of Pete <laughs> that forgotten sheer spinoff yeah the tortelli woo but uh, yeah I, I, it's it's a great moment like in and how, what Carla does, like when she comes out later on, when she when she just throws pipes on the floor of the bar like they're extra pieces that you get from a you kid. can't keep it for you, sentimental yeah, reasons. Exactly. <laughs> Sam's like they must belong to something, and he grabs them and walks back to the bathroom with her. No, I love that. Yeah, she got Carla has some great points in this one. Um, and then there's Sam hitting on her um, using some lines that are pretty corny. Some lines that I was like, you know, that was clever. That was kind of catchy, and you know. Um, but he is striking out, and we get for the, I think for the first time really a sense of how much Norman Cliff live and die on Sam's yeah. love life, and this is going to be a major part of the series, uh, and and the way they gravitate towards Sam as their hero, 
and how they just live vicariously through his social life. This is really the first time we start seeing it, and it is done so well. The way they're surreptitiously calling him over, they're like, you're not having trouble picking this girl up yet. And he's like, no, 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 I'm just playing with her. And they're like, whew. And Norm goes back to tell the crowd, he's just playing, it's fine. There's genuine panic, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, like, it's not just them. Like, he has to, like, smooth everything out with the rest of the bar. Like, it's really, like, there's, like, this energy going around. They're like, is Sam going to strike out with this chick? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Can I, I I do want to key in on something because we're talking about Sam. Because Mm -hmm. having listened to the first two episodes, the third one, just a peek behind the curtain, has not come out as we record this. So I don't know if this has been broached. But has anybody mentioned the fact that, Sam being an alcoholic, you, you know, you talked about him just trying to make people happy. Mm-hmm. Is do you think that that and, and his his sexual proclivity is a replacement for the alcoholism? Because that is a big part of addiction is substitution. Sure, it is, and I mean, by the end of the show, it's it's one of the very last episodes deals with him being a sexual compulsive, mm-hmm. um, and ends up going to a meeting for that. Uh, no, I definitely think. I mean. I mean, you could argue that even even before he got sober, that he was kind of a womanizer, and he used baseball as an avenue of like chasing that. And he talks about some of his, you know, sexual escapades when he was a very young, like like a pre teenager. Um, so you could kind of argue for for or against that, but I definitely think, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you could make a case uh, that his his womanizing, his chasing women. He is using sex as a as a substitute or as a replacement filler for what alcohol used to give him. I think that's a valid argument. Okay, it's just something. I mean, and it's kind of a it's a weird dark side to what is one of the funniest shows ever made. But yeah, and they, I mean, they don't. It's they don't really get serious with it. Probably rightly so. All that often, uh, occasionally they go into the consequences of of his his life. And towards the end of it, they start playing up, playing more into the fact that he can't keep up the same way he used to be. But um, it is one of those tricky things, like, you know, they, they thread the needle very finely when they've got a show set in a bar with a recovering alcoholic where you could have a lot of desperate, depressed, destroyed people. I mean, we see we see relationships crumble in the show. We see careers crumble in the show. But the show never feels that heavy. It always manages is to feel like it's a light, safe place uh, for for laughs and for heart. So somehow they managed to pull that off. Um, I've seen it go the other way because after Night Court ended, John Larroquette did the, the John Larroquette his name John Larroquette show. Yeah, and he played a recovering alcoholic, and he was assigned to this dingy um, bus terminal. Bus ter- yeah, bus terminal. Yeah. And they, I mean, the first season you did deal with that and it, you know, the, by the next season, they're like, we need to go the other direction. So you saw things lighten up, a uh, character that was a prostitute became something, a bar owner uh, mm-hmm. herself. So it can be, it can be a cross to bear. And luckily right. they decided eh, it's in the past for the most part. Right, right. I mean, I, I guess it's, it goes kind of back to kind of like the brilliance of the writing and the way they handle the Sam character of how strangely sincere he is about like the, the, what he wants from these women. And it's, again, it never, I, I, I've said this before, I said this on the first episode, it, it's not coming from a sinister place. He doesn't have bad, evil motivations where he's like a, a predator, you know, going after mm. these women. It's just about having a good time and about, you know, bringing pleasure to people, himself included. Yeah. Um, but uh, certainly... When but, in Rome, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think, you know, you kind of have to look at, like, 
his headspace. I think you can tell a lot when he's when he's finally striking out with Nina, and he he's like he he's like there's just no or, or you know he actually he has this moment he when he's when he's going after her, and he he has this kind of self aware moment where he's like you know about his reputation, and he's like forget about you know my looks, forget about my attitude, forget about you know my my lines and everything. He's like take all of that. What are you left with? And he kind of he kind of clicks in there. He's like nothing. He's like I've got nothing else. And he walks away in frustration. And Diane is telling him, she's like, you're about to see this woman get picked up with somebody just using sincerity and heart. And that's what she's looking for. And Sam responds with, oh, she's kinky, huh? (laughs) Like like he thinks like that's just kind of like so far away from from his worldview and what he's expecting. But. And then it ends up not being, you know, sincere. Yeah, of course. Because Coach uses trickery. Right, of course. Yes, going back to uh, what he used to do when he was attracted to a woman during his baseball days is he would he would fall down the, into the duckout steps or he would take a pitch or something. So that they would, and that is the the key. Walking up those steps at Melville and the old. Uh, Gosh, I can't think of the name, but there's a name when they like have a um, a prat prat the, yeah the prat fall where they have like the the fake act, the stunt double fall down like and like fall out of camera view so as he falls ba- <laughs> down behind the banister and then Ernie Pantuso pops up in the crowd so I laughed out loud moment I will be honest yeah no it's so good yeah. and it, it like again just believable because of what we've seen this character do before like in terms of leaning into a pitch you know just for for that sake but. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like the the episode was kind of like so spread out. There's the there's the main plot line with Nina, with you know Coach being attracted to her, Sam kind of going after her and striking out. But I really liked all of these weird subplots of Norman Cliff watching Sam. There's like there's a wonderful moment when Norm comes down from Melville's, <laughs> hands the jacket off to the next guy in line, walks right up to the bar. Sam's got it beer ready for him, hands it to him. He takes it, takes a sip, but doesn't even break his stride. Walks right back to the the end of the line and just sits there waiting. Like this perfect fluidity of that moment, which is actually, that actually echoes something that comes up earlier when Norm first walks in. Mm. There's a great moment when Sam pours the drink and slides it down the end of the bar and times it just perfectly so that Norm sits down in his seat and the bar like just slides right into his hand. <laughs> and like, the crowd applauds. And yes. you got to think, they probably messed that up how many times before they oh, got it right. Oh, of course, of course. But the practice. But I love that moment and it's so earned because at this point we're so used to Norm his entrance. And like that's such a touchstone of the show. Even at this point, we're eight episodes in, but they know that that Norm's entrance is a big deal. It's a signature moment of every episode. And he comes in, they're like, "What's up, Norm?" He's like, "My nipples, it's freezing." <laughs> they're like, ah, you get the laugh. But they carry it through to the next moment when he sits down and that beer slide. It's so good. They've earned that one, and it's it's a great moment for the show. You mean the ice cold beer that Diane calls him out on, and yeah. then gold happens? Yes. Oh, oh, Cliff's whole explanation for <laughs> why he drink beer, and the, yeah, that is perfect. And and I don't even remember, but he's like talking about what, um, because the, like, the Londoners drank the hottest tea in the summer to to equalize their bodies, equalize their body temperature. And she's like, "Well, why do you?" Uh, you know, why, why do you drink cold beer in the winter? Or, co- like, why do you drink cold beer in the summer then? 
He's like, well, you know, what else are you going to do with it? What else are you going to do with it? Yeah. 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 Probably probably my favorite moment in that episode. Yeah. No, it, it's so good because she's like, "Why? how can you drink cold beer on a, on a freezing day? And he's like, Cliff, explain this to her. She's like, how do you know he'll have the right answer? He's like, oh, he's like, I'll bet you $10. It's a good one. And Cliff just starts yeah. off, when the British rule the Punjab. And he's like, yep, yep, I'll take my money. <laughs> so, at this point, again, like going back with – with the the sense of atmosphere, like feeling like this is a real lived in place. Like at this point, the show's hitting the stride. The characters feel real. Um, and this was one where I was just like, I, I, I thought Sam, he had his own little thing, but he was kind of disappearing. I thought Sam was more or less a background character in this one mm-hmm. because I was much more fascinated with everything else that was going on. And I didn't have a problem with that. I thought everybody else really shined in this one really, really well. Well, this is this is a really good cast where that can happen. Any of these characters can step up and and be the focus of the episode without sacrificing anything that the other people are doing. Yeah, not every show could do that. So, much, many props to that. Yeah, yeah. No, good point. Good point. Nina, um, yeah. I kept thinking through the whole episode when I'm watching it. That's the mom from Karate Kid. No, I'm way off. But she also has a geek connection because I had to look it up. She was on an episode of Batman the Animated Series. It's mm. an episode that I'm not entirely familiar with. So we've got a lot of Batman connections here. No, I, I checked. Um, so she's played by an actress named Murphy Cross. Um, the, the credit that I saw is that she played Harvey Dent's fiance Grace, in the Two-Face oh, two-parter. Yes. Okay. So I didn't realize – I didn't catch the name. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and then she also appeared in episodes of Taxi. She did appear in Night Court. She appeared in It's Gary Shandling Show. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff around this time period. Um, I think actually from looking at some of her, I think she was probably more of a dancer than an actress because mm. it looked like she kind of like was acting as like a, a background dancer in some shows. So I think that was probably more of her, her profession and she only kind of acted occasionally and maybe did some voice work. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and then the one other, uh, the actor credit, um, there's a young girl who comes into the bar, uh, uh, her, the actress is named Julie Hendler. She only had four credits on IMDb. Um, she was in this episode of Cheers. She was in an episode of Twilight Zone, an episode of Chips and two episodes of Mork and Mindy. Um, but she's, she's got a great one, which leads up to what might be my home run for the, for the episode. So I'm going to save that one. Um, but yeah, she shows up as she's uh, an actress in like a community theater or a high school or a school play or something, and she wants to put a playbill in the window. I think I know the scene you're going for. Yeah. It was on. It was on my short list. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There was a lot of like, there was just a lot of like great moments. And again, going back to Carla in the men's room, um, the fact that she put, <laughs> we see Diane is leaving the men's room. When she looks up and she sees that for a good time, call Diane with like the phone number and everything. And Diane like freaks out and she starts like grabbing a marker to scribble over it. She's like, at least they got the na- the number wrong. And Carla's like, hey, I got it off of your application. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. Yeah. Yeah, this is why, like, I, I mentioned it in the previous episode to this one that I feel like at this point they have found out who Carla is. Mm-hmm. Uh, or she's getting very close to the Carla that we will know and love. The first handful of episodes of this season, I don't think they really had her down. Um, but now I think they know who she is by this point in the show. And I think so. the key is is the fact that Ratzenberger stayed around as Cliff because that and it, that, that animosity between them mm-hmm. – makes car i mean it elevates carla and yeah. it feels like they key off of that yeah yeah because it'll that will actually it'll take a little bit of time to develop who cliff is and and 
let's say his his place his his pecking where he is fits in the pecking order um because he's certainly a man of more confidence and stature in at this point and uh we will see him brought a little bit lower as the as the show goes on in large part because of Carla yeah so it was just a fun episode. There wasn't – I mean it wasn't a heavy episode. No. But like no. you said, you had the weather. You had a lot of, of plates being spun, but they were spun smoothly. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, what a yeah. good a good sitcom will do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean not – yeah, not a, not a heavy episode. Not a lot of big momentous things that happen. I mean Coach gets this girl. We'll never see her again or hear from her. <laughs> so it's not like she's a, a recurring love interest or anything. Um, but yeah, just a sense of fun, playfulness character development and and a lot of great comedy so that's i mean if that's what you can say about what in any other sitcom you'd say is a kind of forgettable episode disposable episode uh the fact that this one is still just really really funny has a ton of rewatch value um and so enjoyable so yeah that's yeah that's what i would mention uh any final thoughts about the episode before we get into some of our other categories I oh, know it was just I mean it was just a blast to revisit and it was as soon as coach started talking about his pickup lines I remember this episode this yeah. is a great one so yeah. I did I didn't get you know one of the weaker episodes yeah. thankfully Oh that was the that was the last thing like there's a joke in there that I I always feel like gets a little bit maybe stepped on and I don't know if it's the delivery or if it's just kind of the the nature of but it's when Coach first comes in and he's talking to Diane and he's describing, you know, his attraction to Nina. And he's like, he's like, you know, the entire time I was with her, I kept wanting to smell her neck, and I finally <laughs> figured out what that's about. And Diane's like, is it just physical attraction? And he goes, no, lux. And then he takes a beat and he says, they used to call it the soap of the stars. The thing is, every time, and I've watched this episode a dozen times, every time when he says lux, I think he's saying looks as yeah. in her looks so when diane says you think it's just physical attraction and he goes no looks he's like he, she's good looking and i was like okay so he's he does mean the same thing that she just said he's just phrasing it differently but then when he says they used to call the soap of the stars and i was like oh no he's i i heard it wrong he's saying look so it's like it's this joke that i'm i'm hearing wrong so i'm thinking it means one thing which is funny and then i'm kind of have to reorient myself and say, oh, no, he said this other thing, which is also funny. It's this weird, like, if that soap had been called any other name, <laughs> any other word that didn't have the phonetic similarity, it wouldn't be a problem. So I just wonder if there was any other soap in, like, 1982 that the writers could have come up with. But, like Dial. I yeah. mean, it could have been Irish Spring. Yeah. But, yeah, that was that was the last one. Um uh, in terms of uh, my little fun facts, it's a little-known fact, as Cliff would say. Um, one of the things that that happens when the uh, the tour guide shows up in the in the teaser, he mentions that we're now in Paul Revere's house. They're like, it looks like a bar. He's like, well, the Revere's like to entertain a lot. Uh, <laughs> Sam says Paul Revere's house is nowhere near here. Um, if you've ever been to Boston or if you look at just a topographical map, uh, Paul Revere's place is in the north end. I've actually seen that on a tour an actual walking tour, um, and the Cheers location is very southwest of it on Beacon Street, so they are, you know, half the city away from each other. Um, looking at Norm's tab, the other fun category we have, uh, we were talking about this beforehand. I count that Norm had four beers here, but that's just because, like, we we sort of had a cutaway where it looks like he's starting a new beer, and then 
not too long later, it looks like the beer is almost empty. Now, maybe that's just the way that the shot was edited or something like that, like after like multiple takes or something like that. But to me, it looked like he might, you know, he might have gone through beers a little bit quickly. So I'm saying he had four beers in this episode, which at this point, after nine episodes, would put him at 32 for the series. So, yeah. Honestly, that's less than you would expect for someone who spends that much time at the bar drinking beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, but again, like, I mean, we'll see after 270 something episodes by the end of this. Yeah. One way or another, he should be dead. (laughs) <laughs> he should have, yeah, the kidney failure should be kicking in. Right, right. The cirrhosis ought to be uh, a problem. Um, okay, so for the, our, our final fun categories, Employee of the Week. Dave, who did you think was the funniest character or just the best performance of this episode? Uh, I'm going to go with Coach. Um, his bits felt vaudevillian, but not forced. Like he was talking about coming in, you know, talking about losing his mind. And he's like, oh, that's where I put it. What, your mind? No, my coat. And it was just – I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, he was he was really, really good. Um, I – gosh, th- this one was a tough one to pick because I thought about Coach. I thought about Norm at one point. Um, mm. Just some of like the physical – like again, like the fluidity of the moments and things like that. Um, but ultimately, I kind of landed on – and this is two episodes in a row – Carla. Uh, and that surprised me because I was not expecting to find as many episodes where she's my favorite part in the first season. Um, but this is two episodes in a row now where I think just Carla's little every, – every line she had, every moment she had in this episode was gold. She didn't have a lot, but the way they utilized her was great in every scene. I, I, I really liked it. Just like moments like when Coach is looking at himself in the mirror. He's like, well, you know, I know I'm no Harold Flynn. And Diane's trying to catch it. She's like, it's Errol Flynn. And, and Carla's just like, no, Harold Flynn used to play for Chicago. Good luck. Can't <laughs> hit. So – Things like that, I really, really liked. Um, when she comes, she just walks in and shouts, "Line up the cans open, the cans working." So, <laughs> yeah, tough call. This was very close, but I went with Carla for my employee of the week. Um, for home run, the funniest or best joke of the episode. I, I teased it before, but it's it's a uh, it's an, a line that is set up sort of twice. First, we have Sam on the phone talking to a woman like a nun who, and kind of explaining that there's a girl, one of the students is coming in to put a playbill in the window for her school play that they're doing, you know, 12 angry men or something. So he's like, yeah, that's fine. So he mentions that five minutes later, coach is talking to Diane, a completely unrelated scene. And he's talking about this girl that he's head over heels with, that he keeps wanting to smell. And he's like, but I don't think she'll be into me. And she's like, why not? He's like, well, for one thing, she's a lot younger than me. Diane's like, well, how young could she be? Cue, the door opens, and this 12-year-old girl in, like, a Catholic school uniform walks in. She's like, hi. And Coach is like, hi, sweetheart. And the moment Diane grabs Coach by the arm and just goes, you're under arrest. Like, that was well set up. I thought you were going to go with the when Diane uh, said we used to do Romeo and Juliet. She's oh, like, I, I, we want something a little bit more meat on it. We want something with a little bit more meat. Yeah, for some 12 angry men. But yeah, no, I, I just love Diane's line. She's, uh, she's grabbing him. You're under arrest because of how long it took to get to that moment. I just thought it was played <laughs> so perfectly. Um, and my runner up for the home run, uh, you, you mentioned it before when Norm asked him, he's like, you're, you know, you're not having trouble with this. He's like, no, no, I'm just playing around. When Norm <laughs> goes back to the line of people waiting for the bathroom, he's just like, he's just playing around and they're all like, whoo, they're all like, you know, like wiping their brows. I just thought that was great. So what did you think? What was the best line or best bit in the episode? 
I went with the the cliff factoid because of the way it was set up and, and mm-hmm. just the timing that Wint had. Mm-hmm. When you know Cliff starts it out, it's like, here, take my ten. <laughs> yeah. And then the final punchline being, what else are you gonna do with it? Was it was just <laughs> again, it was vaudevillian, but it was a good vaudevillian. That was yeah, that was really, really I, I like it when it comes back later when um when Sam comes in, he's like, Does anybody know about plumbing? And Cliff starts talking about the Roman aqueduct. <laughs> and Sam cuts him off. He's like, Cliff. I need somebody to help me fix the plumbing. And Cliff's like, sorry, Sam, we dabble in only theory. Yeah. <laughs> that was great, yeah. So, yeah, that's another one. Just with really only like two major beats. I, Cliff Cliff was great in this episode, too. So, yeah. A uh, really fun um, showcase for the way some of the lesser and like smaller characters can can really shine with just good material and just make a funny half-hour of sitcom. So, yeah. Well, Dave, one more time, thank you very much for being on the show. Where else can people find you online, or where else can they hear from you in the podcastosphere that we orbit? Uh, by the time you hear this, I will have been joined uh, joining the Two True Freaks presentation of Listen to the Prophets, which is a Deep Space Nine podcast, which is with Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Andrew Leyland. Nice. And surprise, surprise, we talk about Deep Space Nine. <laughs> And I'm also kind of encroaching on Ryan's territory. I have this sort of side project to the side project called the Dave Cave Batman Podcast, where I'm going through my my post-crisis reading order. But luckily, I take a left where Ryan and Chris took a right. So, uh, well, the direction we took was led us to Max Allen Collins, which you know maybe maybe you had the right idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I, I I go from year one to Catwoman, so I've got Mindy Newell. Oh, okay. We all, we all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, one more time, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, listeners, thank you, as always, for tuning in. You know you can support the show on Facebook and Twitter. You can leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And until next episode, we're closed. Sam's after her now. Can't you see that? Well, so? He's not getting anywhere. Oh! You got the hots, Vanine? Oh, you know that too, huh? Um, Carla, Coach is too shy to ask Nina out. Oh, come on, will you? Who wants to date me? Oh, I'm over the hill. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'd go out with you. Really? Yes, I would too. See? And we all know how fussy Carla is. Ha, 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 ha.